Welcome to the Product Podcast by Product School. Here's a preview of today's talk. Private, or public blockchains provide a, I would say up first, a, a great view into transparency along with, uh, in my industry, a pool of liquidity, uh, the ability to make global payments, um, and the ability to manage your own wealth globally, uh, whether it's storage or transfer of wealth. Um, same goes for private blockchains, but with the added benefit of deciding who gets that transparency along with who gets to participate and what parties get to be involved uh, within, within that private blockchain. Uh, some of the cons, as we had mentioned, for public blockchains would be, again, scalability, um, getting it to a point where it can be used in a timely fashion globally is huge. Um, and then I would say for private blockchains, um, the centralization of private blockchains, there, there are solutions being worked out um, for both both of these public and private uh, blockchains, whether the scalability and the centralization, but um, that would probably be one of the cons. In this podcast, we teach our listeners valuable lessons about product management and transform them into thinking like a product manager. We teach product management, coding, data analytics, and blockchain in 14 campuses worldwide, including San Francisco, New York, and Seattle. You can find more information at productschool.com. Join our Slack community of 25,000 professionals to network and stay tuned for our upcoming events. All right, so we have our panel here and uh, some questions that we will throw to them. And the first one is, uh, by nature, blockchains serve best as an immutable ledger. They're not currently scalable or meant for computing. So it begs the question, do we even need blockchain? Uh, what would be your response to that? Yeah, so I guess I'll go first. Um, so from my experience, I know that blockchain technology is an extremely useful tool. Um, not only that, but it is actually saving companies uh, valuable time and most importantly, money. Um, so my experience at AlphaPoint, where we're working to digitize assets, uh, whether they be commodities, currencies, uh, real estate, just to name a few, uh, looking to digitize those to the blockchain uh, we're seeing firsthand that it's actually saving companies a lot of time and a lot of money um, and helping reduce the costs of the initial launch of these digital assets along with the um, sale on the secondary markets as well. So that's from my experience. So I would say yes, that we in fact do need blockchain technology. I think this question kind of uh, bring, uh, brings to mind uh, when Thomas um, Edison was asked the question, what do you think is uh, the scale or the scope for computers back in 1943? And he answered maybe five. So, And today when we look at uh, the penetration of computers is more than 50% of the world population. Uh, I think blockchain kind of falls in a similar technology uh, where like any new technology or product, it has to go through a product life cycle. Uh, and it eventually will be there where it will become a part of everyone in this room. Yeah, I really um, I mean, historically, we've always needed some way to store information. Um, and fundamentally, that's what blockchain is. Um, humanity is about constantly kind of improving. And, you know, they always say history repeats itself. That's what we're doing right now. It's just, you know, 
we're at this point where we can improve upon it and ensure that uh, something is secure for everyone, not for those who hold power. Um, so do we need a better form of what we've been doing for thousands of years? Yeah. Uh, can we do it? Yeah. Should we do it? Yes. Uh, actually, I, that's exactly the reason why I think we need it, too, um, you know, for better security. I mean, we, we could keep doing what we're doing now, um, but with all of the hacking and the, and the breaches, it, that doesn't seem like a, you know, a, a solution that we can really live with. Um, and the centralization of, of power, you know, it is, it is dangerous. So, uh, you know, I have to start, we have to start conditioning people to um, feel the, the power, you know, that they do have the power within themselves. And I think that the technology, the, pow- the computing power will catch up um, and, uh, you know, eventually transform the way we uh, transact. Um, okay, so seeing that blockchain is going to be a, a thing, <laughs> um, what are some of the industries that you can see blockchain disrupting within the next five years? Yeah, so I would say that uh, not even within the next five years, but we're actually currently going through a period of disruption where we're seeing uh, companies in a plethora of industries, insurance, uh, fintech, uh, know your customer, and anti-money laundering, uh, just to name a few. It's kind of hard to say what the next five years would hold, but I would say the most important thing that we should look into now is scalability of blockchain technology. Um, I think that as long as this technology becomes scalable in, in each industry, it, that will just really prove which industries may take a little longer um, than others to kind of pick up the pace. I think, Lisa, we were kind of like talking about that uh, right before this panel was uh, health and uh, health and health technology. So um, I represent uh, Pulse Point, which is a leading health technology uh, company. And one of the things we consciously uh, decided or are thinking of is uh, staying ahead and uh, knowing that blockchain is something that is potentially going to impact healthcare uh, and health marketing and uh, pretty much any way that uh, a brand, a health brand, is touching uh, or connecting with a health user, uh, considering all the regulations, HIPAA compliance uh, that one has to work with. So um, knowing um, who's the user, what kind of data has been shared about that user and validated that information through the entire process is very important uh, for any health marketer out there. So I would say uh, industries that will be disrupted with blockchain would be healthcare, uh, would be health technology, um, and health marketing in general. Yeah, it's just, sorry, and I just want to kind of back that up because I feel like uh, blockchain is kind of billed as this transformative technology, which I think we believe it will be. And if there's anything that needs transforming, I think it's the healthcare system in this country. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I think that it holds so much potential um, for disruption. It's a highly regulated industry. Um, but, uh, you know, we, I, I think we'll find solutions to, to work with that. Yeah, I mean, it's, like Daniel said, um, scaling is kind of, I feel like we're at this bubble right now where it's like we're, we're getting very close to these layer two solutions. We're getting close to sharding. We're getting close to plasma. Um, and I'm kind of, I'm, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's, uh, oops, not speaking to the mic. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with uh, where it's going to go. Um, I, one, am excited for healthcare. I'm also excited for art. Um, 
I think there's, you know, shipping art internationally, there's a lot of uh, different paperwork that needs to go into that. Um, so many different people need to sign off on this. Um, and my girlfriend actually works at a shipping, you know, she works for a, uh, she handles shipping logistics for a company. Um, she's kind of, and there's always like, oh man, if only we could just do, um, if we could just kind of implement this kind of automated ledger where we know what's happening, um, it would make this process so much faster. It kind of, and uh, it would benefit a lot of people in the industry. Of course, it's not as, uh, it's not as beneficial to the people as healthcare, but uh, it's definitely something I'm really curious to see how that'll work out. It's beneficial in a different way. <laughs> Um, actually, one of the other industries that I mean, and Daniel, you're you're working in it now. I'd love to see you know the the, the real estate industry, the mortgage industry, actually be disrupted. You know, anybody who's bought a house um, knows what a laborious kind of opaque process it is. And if we can use blockchain to open up uh, and and facilitate that that process, I think that would uh, yeah, that would be a great um, way to disrupt. Yeah. yeah, I think also um, something I've been seeing recently is uh, like uh, electricity grouping, where people or people per, uh, batch purchase uh, electricity, um, and I think that's another really really interesting way that kind of will bring uh, the power of you know distributed you know uh, kind of distributed uh, ledger um, and ultimately saving kind of putting more of the power of what electricity you're getting, what and how you're uh, managing that uh, a lot easier. Yeah. That's something we're excited yeah. for as well. And, uh, I mean, even, you know, even in the public sector, um, I mean, can you imagine what, where you know your tax dollars are going? <laughs> it was kind of a, you know, that would be kind of a, a, an interesting way to uh, disrupt. Um, so, okay, well, and talking a lot about um, scalability. Um, so the next topic is, um, in your sector of experience, um, what are some of the pros and cons of private blockchain versus public blockchain? Yeah, so private or public blockchains provide a, I would say, up first, a, a great view into transparency, along with, uh, in my industry, a pool of liquidity, uh, the ability to make global payments, um, and the ability to manage your own wealth globally, uh, whether it's storage or transfer of wealth. Um, same goes for private blockchains, but with the added benefit of deciding who gets that transparency along with who gets to participate and what parties get to be involved uh, within within that private blockchain. Uh, some of the cons, as we had mentioned, for public blockchains would be, again, scalability, um, getting it to a point where it can be used in a timely fashion globally is huge. Um, and then I would say for private blockchains, um, the centralization of private blockchains, there, there are solutions being worked out um, for both both of these public and private uh, blockchains, whether the scalability and the centralization, but um, that would probably be one of the cons. So at um, at Pulse Point, um, we always um, looking at emerging technologies, and um, at this point, we're looking at both the pros and cons of um, of clo you know of private versus uh, open, and uh, you know to Daniel's point. There isn't uh, a perfect solution, uh, and I think every application or every use has to be seen on what your business case is, uh, what problem you're trying to solve. Uh, keeping those parameters in mind, uh, an entity or an organization has to make a decision whether they want to go uh, private or uh, public, uh, but I think that's, some, that's a decision that um, 
an entity or an organization has to make uh, for themselves. But uh, neither of them are perfect. Uh, I hope soon we will get there, but uh, for now, uh, it has to be uh, at the discretion. So, Veena, are you, are you talking, so you're, you're ad tech, but also healthcare. So blockchain, private versus public, so the applications of that on the ad tech side. So what are kind of the decision-making processes in that? Sure. So I would say when it comes to um, ad tech, some of the scenarios that we're looking at is uh, validating an impression, uh, whether an impression was actually served or whether an ad was actually served. Uh, when you're thinking about that and when you're thinking about uh, the use case there, uh, because you know that there are multiple entities involved uh, in that transaction, a better... Um, I would say a better consensus will go towards an open blockchain or a public blockchain. Uh, however, when you're talking about health technology uh, and when you know that you have limitations on who has access to that data, uh, in that case, we are leaning more towards uh, a closed or rather a private blockchain. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I see the use cases for both right now. Um, I get it in that the sense that, uh, you know, there's not a lot of, Options, right? I mean, you know, you essentially have to manage your own end-to-end encryption if you want to have something uh, private managed on a public blockchain. Um, I, I get it from a, you know, I think, it, like, like Vina's saying, it kind of really depends on uh, your business needs. You know, if you're managing an internal ledger, if you're managing, you know, internal accounts, um, and you want that to be completely separate from uh, from the rest of the ecosystem, the rest of the world, um, yeah, of course, private blockchain, I get it. Um, it goes at the cost of centralization of power um, and at the benefit of speed most likely um, I think this is going to change a little bit as uh, these kind of new scaling solutions come out and I think there'll be less of a need for private blockchains because you know we'll be able to manage the speed on the public blockchains we'll be able to manage the security on the public blockchains um, and I think you know there's a lot of middle ground between this um, with plasma for example we can generate a ton of you know we can, there's a new blockchain generated for every uh, for every transaction needed to speed up the transaction. So say, you know, I need to execute 100 of these transactions for my healthcare industry. Um, generates all these side transactions, uh, and then it brings back the final uh, balance to, balance of whatever that is, uh, to the public blockchain. I think these kind of middle ground solutions as well will kind of uh, benefit companies that need like uh, some sort of both speedier and more secure blockchain solution. If you have enjoyed the episode so far, check out our upcoming live events at productschool.com slash events. Use the promo code PRODUCTPODCAST in all caps to get a free ticket to the next event in your city. Yeah, no, and there's definitely a, 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 a debate uh, to, you know, to going, going into that. Uh, and for healthcare, um, I think, you know, the, in the experiment phase right now it's more on the on the private side um, just you know it, it is more scalable um, and with regulation I think it's it's easier um, and also for uh, you know medical records and sharing medical records I mean you know how fragmented it is and kind of frustrating and how much waste there is in the system because those those records are not shared so that kind of lends itself to private but then there's also the benefit of a public blockchain for healthcare which is um, putting, you know, a, a private um, genetic sequencing online. So potentially, you know, researchers can actually access that and uh, innovate on new drugs and new, you know, 
discoveries. Um, and in fact, you know, another way to possibly use that is um, you can own your own health data and you can sell your own health data. Um, you know, and, and it, it, that might be kind of a radical thing to, to think about, but if you think about how expensive this healthcare is in the country, um, that may not be a bad way to, uh, to, to work the system. So, um, but yeah, public versus it's still, still being, well, everything in, in blockchain is still being, uh, being explored. In fact, to your point, Lisa, like when you think about clinical trials, um, and, uh, I think one application that you can think of blockchain is in clinical trials. Uh, you know, just you would uh, possibly know that just how difficult it is to get uh, the right people for for clinical trials. Um, you know, once those match those specific parameters that uh, a drug manufacturer is looking to uh, uh, create um, a solution for. So I think um, when people own their own data, I think they would be more uh, uh, receptive and more proactive. Uh, to be able to make a change and do something about it. Yeah, as long as they feel feel that power. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then you get back to the scalability issue, which is there's so much data. I think, uh, you know, a genetic sequencing I read is three gigs, you know, <laughs> like for, for one person. So, um, you know, so it, it eventually it will get to that point. You know, again, I think it'll catch up. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we have a ways to, to go. Okay. Um, so, moving on to kind of the crypto side of the world. Um, so there's a venture capitalist, uh, Tim Draper, who's very bullish on crypto. Uh, and he says that cash will soon be as passe as paying for a coffee with coins. Um, do you think that will happen? When do you think that will happen? Uh, yes. So I was actually walking through Grand Central the other day. Um, and I stopped by a wine store, and there was a sign on the wall that said, now accepting Litecoin, uh, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, and if you've been tracking the market, you can now buy more wine um, <laughs> as of today. So um, I think that there's a huge push to make it more accessible uh, as a global payment solution. Um, we're, not, we're not quite there yet, but I've, I've seen a lot of really interesting companies kind of coming out of the woodworks. Um, giving people the ability to make payments in store, whether it's a card that converts the funds into usable fiat dollars um, or a payment provider that allows you the access to make purchases online. So I think that there's a lot of progress in this space. Um, I think that we just have a lot of, a lot of ways to go. Um, but I'm interested to see what other companies come up with and, and how we can make this more of a, global, a stable global payment solution as well. I saw a, a poke place actually down yeah. in the village. Yep, is accepting Ethereum. So, uh. <laughs> I guess my, uh, my answer to that would be: Isn't that happening already? Like, you know, both your examples kind of like uh, you know refer to that that that's happening already. Um, if I look at my wallet, I barely have any cash. Um, you know, if I think about the top apps on my on my phone, it's Uber, it's uh, it's uh, Airbnb, Venmo's. So I feel like all of this is kind of making uh, cash passe. Um, again, you know, there's an inception. It will eventually happen. When I'm not sure, but I don't think we're too far. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I agree with you definitely, Vina. Um and you, Daniel, as well. Um, I think we're close. I don't know how close. I mean, I think it's people 
always want something tangible, so I'm so sure there will always be some sort of physical interface that we'll need. Um, I don't know if people will just come in and start typing in addresses or maybe scanning their eyes. I hope not. Um, but <laughs> um, but I do I do think we're, you know, as you noted, we are starting to, you know, I already barely carry my wallet around. I need my phone. I can just RFID it. Um, if I want to transfer funds to my bank account, I'm using a different payment app. Um, I, I can't remember the last time I took out cash at the bank. Um, so we're really not, it's, we already kind of made the step from uh, moving away from fiat. It's really just about now translating that to what we're transferring, uh, you know, the currency we're transferring. Mm -hmm. um, and kind of a related question, um, which is uh, the emergence of DAOs, um, de decentralized autonomous organizations. Um, and when do you kind of see that happening or taking hold? Uh, I, mean, I, th I think it really depends on, uh, you know, it really depends on the companies. I think it will, I mean, that's tough to say. You're, you're asking a company to essentially completely redefine its, uh, yeah. its, its hierarchical, uh, you know, or its setup, rather. Um, I, I can't say when that will happen. I think it will really be up to uh, when co new companies that are implementing DAOs uh, really start to take over that other people will start to notice and probably implement that. Uh, I think it'll be hard to transfer, uh, you know, migrate an existing company to a DAO, yeah. uh, or it's a hard to sell. Yeah, I would have to agree that it would. I'm sorry, didn't mean to cut you. That it would have to be a natively uh, a, a company that is looking to natively uh, kind of go with the DAO solution over a company that already has processes and procedures in place um, that would make it a little more complex uh, to kind of just switch over. So I would agree. Here, like uh, I kind of think about the latest uh, Microsoft suite. I think it was eight, maybe. Or uh, and we had such a hard time like making everyone like download it and making sure like all the systems and process, you know, we're following the same across the organization. So, kind of taking that parallel, uh, I don't think it's. Uh, I think yeah, to Daniel's point, it has to be a natively yeah yeah created that will force the shift. Yeah. 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 Okay, so. I guess this all kind of culminates in the big question of, you know, why do you think that there are still trust issues with um, adopting blockchain universally? Yeah, I think it's more along the lines of fear. I think people act off of fear, but I don't think it's, I think it's more fear that could be accredited to the lack of proper education around what blockchain technology is really attempting to do. Um, and as mentioned up here before, it's attempting to give individuals the power back and to give it back to you know the the everyday working man um, it's looking to to get everybody more transparency uh, being able to manage their own information and their own data uh, along with being able to manage their own storage and again transfer of wealth so um, I think if people look at it in that way um, and and try to educate themselves on the technology that though they will be a lot less afraid of this change than they currently may be uh, totally, I, I completely agree with uh, with Daniel. Here, I think uh, education uh, is is the biggest piece. Um, so when you think about um, any new innovation, like when you think about any innovation, right? When you think about penicillin, when you think about radioactivity, when you think about computers, there was a lot of mistrust, or there was a lot of concerns around it. Um, so I think that's natural. We are humans. We will always uh, mistrust anything that's new. Uh, and I think that's why the piece of education plays such a key part. Um, education as well as access. I feel like when more and more individuals have access uh, to this technology, uh, the fears will go away. 
Yeah, so take the product school blockchain class. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. <a> free plug. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to agree. Um, it's it's really just the lack of knowledge. Um, even myself, if you if you want to start learning how to develop for the blockchain, there's really you know you kind of have to start piecing these together, these different answers from you know Stack Overflow and all these random different websites. Um, and so if the documentation for the software itself isn't that great, how can you expect people to... It's not, sorry, I don't want to diss on the software. It's great, it's fantastic, and they've done a lot of work on it. It's so open source. But um, at the same time, you know, if there's this much lack of knowledge for people developing, um, it's going to take a while for that knowledge to trickle down. Um, and I think, you know, if, if we can have some more um, ways to, you know, expose this to the public, I think people will have a lot easier time. Technology won't stop either way. Uh, it's just a matter of when we get on board. Yeah. Um, and kind of to that point, um, or actually Davina and, and to your point, so it's, it's very new and it's, and it's changing, you know, really rapidly. And I think, you know, people say, and I think it's true that blockchain is kind of where it is today is where we were back in the mid nineties with the internet. Um, but the internet was much more accessible had pictures and, you know, <laughs> some sounds sometimes. Um, so it was very accessible and relatable where blockchain is really it's technical. And I think a lot of people just don't, you know, I mean, it, there's, there's a block. No, no pun intended. There's a block there. Um, so uh, I think maybe we have to find a way to make it more user-friendly. And maybe that's through dApps and, and, and trying to, to do it that way. Yeah, no, that's definitely something, the company I'm working at, Thunder, um, I'm developing dApps right now, and that's kind of our whole goal is, like, you know, um, you want to make it, you want to make the transition as seamless as possible. Um, and it's a little hard to do that. You know, you have to have an extension, maybe, or a different browser. Um, and it's about, really, about minimizing this user friction uh, in order to create an experience that's, you know, it's, oh, it's just, it's like the internet, but a little bit different. Uh, so, <laughs> I think it's really, I think it's on... Myself, you know, it's on us as developers and, you know, companies that are building these products to really kind of make it as easy as possible. Yeah. And then we kind of had a philosophical conversation about this earlier because it is a whole shift from centralized authority to decentralized and basically the power is in your hands. So, um, you know, you have to be comfortable with the fact that you're holding your, your keys, literally. Uh, you have to protect your keys and your information. Um, so there may be a general lack of discomfort with that as well, uh, because it is a, it's a big paradigm shift in the way we manage. So um, those are all the questions I, I had for the panel. Um, are there any other thoughts or ideas about uh, where you think blockchain will go, will go next? Uh, I, I guess I'll jump in real quick. I think the identity management is probably something mm -hmm. I kind of remembered. I forgot after until after that question. Um, but identity management is a really, really interesting um, area because I think it's one of these uh, it's it's service that will need to kind of influence all of the, your all of the other uh, industries being built around blockchain. Um, you know, having a secure way to manage those keys. You know, you know we need to create. We we have the wallet, but uh, you know, wallets haven't looked the same for thousands of years, I mean, I mean, we're physical wallet, um, and much in the same way, we'll need a new way to manage our identity in a way that uh, makes people feel comfortable. Yeah. That's, I'm definitely excited for that. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be great. I kind of want to like, expand on, uh, you know, we talked about um, how the internet was more um, user-friendly, um, but I also 
kind of like brings to my mind the picture of when I was like a 13-year-old. My dad gave me like this Nokia phone that almost looked like a brick. Um, and the only thing you could do was pretty much call. Now when you look at your phones, I think calling is like the le- least amount of thing that you do on a phone, <laughs> right? Like that's the last thing you do on a phone. So I think, um, you know, to, to Julian's point that as more and more dApps uh, evolve and get developed, uh, I think it's just going to become more user-friendly. Mm. There's no reason why not to. Uh, yeah, and just like the the internet boom, uh, as you said in the '90s, uh, gave the working class man the ability to you know purchase shares in companies with the stock market and the launch of the different trading desks. Um, digitizing of assets is is what's in, of of interest to myself um, in giving everybody the ability to potentially get in on markets that that you were not able to get in on prior, whether it be the amount of capital needed. Um, or just kind of the privacy around around those markets. So I think that's a pretty big step in the right direction to give everybody the chance to uh, grow. So, yep, democratization, <laughs> privacy, security. Um, okay, I think that's it. Thank, Thank you, everybody. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Product Podcast. If you liked this episode, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. If you want to know more about our courses and next courts, visit productschool.com. Stay tuned for the next episode to learn more about the secrets in product management.